Well, this morning we're going to finalise our series of Therefore Go. We've been looking at it over the last few weeks and looking at what it means to go into the world and be Christ in the community around us. Now, we started this series looking at the Good Samaritan and, and how that Samaritan went above and beyond to look after the beaten up man um, that he cared for. Last week we looked at our stories. We all have a story to share and, and that we're all part of God's bigger story, a story that is still being written and you're a part of the pages of it. But before we get started on to Acts today, I want to invite Keith up to share a little bit of how, how he and Jeanette have followed Jesus into, almost like the Good Samaritan as such, but um, into uh, <laughs> um, what they've been doing to, to sort of look after for people. And, and I know Keith's a very humble fellow, um, but uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic way of, of being Christ in the area. So thanks, Keith. You all right? But, oh, there you go. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm doing, really. You want me to talk about that? Oh, I see. We, uh, we go for a walk, and I've got to say to you, when Peter asked me to do this, I thought, what Jeanette and I do is no different to anybody else in this church, okay? So we're not really the Good Samaritans. We go for a walk through a park near us, and we noticed that there was a, a person who had pitched a tent in the gazebo in the park and was living there. And um, I thought it wasn't a good place to be. I mean, the tent wasn't that big, thick, and uh, it was on bricks and concrete. And her mattress, in fact, was one of those exercise mats. So you can imagine how cold it would be. When we met these two guys, we didn't quite understand who they were, but they were from the Salvation Army, and they were going there to make sure this lady in the tent um, had the things she needed. So Jeanette had made some, um, some soup with chicken and veggies, and so we put it in a flask with a, a corned beef bread roll, and we took it down to this lady. Apparently we weren't the only ones. We discovered yesterday a lady was taking down coffee in a flask. We were at one stage heard that we were encouraging her to stay, which wasn't a good thing apparently. But when I went down there, the council had uh, had a complaint and were moving her on. And so they found some accommodation for her in Croydon. But uh, one of the comments from the Salvation Army is a bit disturbing. He said this is going to become a very common occurrence. Um, so we do it because I think Peter said to me, why did you do that? With great respect, I think it's the way we were brought up. But also in John, I always remember Jesus saying to the disciples, when I'm gone, I want you to continue doing my work. And I think that today we are still... God's disciples, so we continue doing his work. That's great. Small stories of what God's doing in and through people like Keith and Jeanette. 
And I know that that's not the only story uh, that we could share. We could, get, we could have a whole morning of people coming up and sharing those. those I think Keith said to me, it's no different to what anyone else is doing. He said it then. Uh, it actually is a great story to hear, isn't it? A story of how God just nudged them to take some soup down to a person that needed some soup. We can all do that. We can all do that. We have a story to share. And God has said, therefore, Go. Sometimes it's scary or uncomfortable for some of us, though, isn't it? Sometimes it's scary for us to do that, and I acknowledge that. Iona last Sunday night preached, and she did a great job, but she reminded us last Sunday evening that most people in our world are just after some contact, just someone to strike up a conversation with them. It's actually welcomed by most people. And so I want to encourage you to to start your day with that prayer that I suggested a few weeks back, that God, this morning, keep my eyes open to where you need me to be today. And that is what Keith and Jeanette have done. They saw the need and said, God, I can fill the need. It's a simple prayer that allows God to, to take you on a journey to be missional into the area. When you pray a prayer like that, be ready to act on it as well, though. So this morning, I want to move this a little further because we're called to consider who is our neighbour and being open to be a, a godly presence to them. We're called to share a story, our story, but we're also called to, to go that next stage as well and share God's story. The good news that each of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour has accepted for ourselves. We know that story because it is good news, isn't it? It's great news. And it's news that is not, it shouldn't be kept to ourselves. This word evangelism gets used a lot in Christian circles. However, over the years, it's sort of gathered various meanings, hasn't it? And we've seen eras of evangelism where uh, people would stand on, on the street corner, maybe on a, a soapbox, and, and that term originating from the days where people would get a, a crate and elevate themselves on a wooden crate that was originally holding like soap or, or a shipment of dry goods or something like that. But I wonder when the last time you saw someone standing on the soapbox preaching on the corner in the middle of the city. There was an evangelist named, was, his name was Desmond Haynes, Hines, H-Y-N-E-S. And he, for 30 years, pushed a cart with all sorts of messages and signs through the streets of Melbourne. You might have remember seeing him. Um, he sort of finished up his uh, time. He retired, I suppose, uh, about six or seven years ago. But for 30, for 30 years, he took to the streets with the message of hope, literally all over him. <laughs> we, get, we, we, we don't see that much anymore, do we? We also get that social justice causes um, that people of Christ are a part of are really important. It can make a difference in our world. But the message of God needs to be proclaimed within those spaces as well. It was St. Francis of Assisi that, that is uh, attuned to this quote. It says, Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. And it invites us to, to lean towards living out the gospel, this good news. And you may get away with not having to proclaim it if it's not necessary. I don't believe St. Francis of Assisi would have assumed that stance because one of his other quotes was, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. So he went and he shared the word, but he lived it out. So with the combination of those two quotes, evangelism, it's got to be more than just a spoken word, but it's got to be also more than just a, a positive action. 
So if we have good news that we want to share, or has to be shared, then the sharing of that must be a combination of the proclamation of good news and an action of good news. Anyone can be a good Samaritan. In fact, soup kitchens the world over are brimming with people who want to give back a little bit of, of the goodness that was given to them. Yet there's not a message of hope, not a message of victory over death, of a battle won, of life transformation in Christ. So this morning, I want to explore the message that we're here to proclaim, a message that if you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, it's transformed your life. However, it's a message that sometimes we can be a little reluctant to share, a message that perhaps isn't always greeted with smiles or embraces. Rather, sometimes this message is misunderstood, is rejected. Sometimes it's ignored completely. In a few weeks' time, we're going to have a guy from Open Doors come and speak to us through our mission month about proclaiming the message of Christ into areas where it is dangerous to proclaim the message of Christ. Now, we here in, in Kilsyth South, in Melbourne, in Australia, we have no real present danger in sharing faith with others, do we? No real present. We're not going to be locked up if we share our faith. We won't be beaten up because of it. Maybe there'll be some strained relationships every now and again. You might even get someone sharing some choice words about what they think about what you're saying. But the reality is sharing a message that has been given to you of hope and security, that has defeated the battles in your life, is a message that you might want to share with someone and that we should be able to share with Vigor. So this morning I want to explore that message. And my hope is that as you share good news that you'll be able to bring that good news into the conversations that you have daily, weekly. Now, the term evangelism, it comes from a Greek word, euangelion, which literally means good news. When someone would win a war, there would be a messenger that would come back from there to the city to declare, to speak out the good news. The war has been won. The battle is over. But this messenger was the bearer of the euangelion, the good news. But the euangelion, zomai, big long word, uh, it's a verb that means the messenger proclaimed the good news, the proclamation of this good news, the proclamation that victory had been won. This word has a bit of a sense of urgency. You can imagine the, the war's been won, but the people at home don't know it yet. So it's an urgency, get back and share this good news It's often translated in our Bibles as gospel, good news. We naturally make the move to the good news being about the salvation through Christ. And that's appropriate because that ultimately is the good news. It's the best news that anyone could have. And the outline of the gospel is, and we know this, is God is holy. He's our creator. He's our judge. God made us to be in relationship with himself, to worship, to be together. However, humans have sinned in action and in attitude. We've, we've turned our back on God. We've said no to God. And the response or the result of that is a separation. God's designed us to be in relationship and we've turned our back on him. So God provided some sort of a solution. What a solution it was. That he sent his son the triune, part of the triune, part together with God, sent his son Jesus Christ 
fully God, fully man, to, to, to die on the earth. To die the death that I deserve, to die the death that you deserve. God raised him up for our justification and proving that he is the Son of God. But there's one more step. We must respond. There's a response to this gift that we've been offered. We don't deserve it. It's a gift, though, that is given freely. And our response must be to turn back to God. To have faith, turning from our old ways and trusting in a new way, one with Christ as central to our lives. As people of faith, if that's been your story, you need to know to share that story. It's a story of salvation for all who know and believe. Know it, be able to verbalize it and share it. Often hear the question of how do I share that with others? And it's a good question. The opportunity doesn't normally come up in a general conversation. How was your week? Uh, it's been good. Do you want to hear the gospel? It doesn't normally come up like that. And all of a sudden you're sharing four points sort of system of, of being able to share that story. Um, I understand that. But we must be ready still. You must be ready to share the story of Jesus Christ with others. Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann actually suggests a different way to consider uh, the good news and how to share it. And he uses three stories. And I want to consider these three stories through the, looking at Acts and the stoning of Stephen. The, the, the three stories are this. The first story is there's a battle. There's a battle that is it's a struggle between good and evil. A, a hidden battle as such. It's not a battle that we go out and fight. In the salvation story, it's the victory of Christ defeating death. It's an impossible story by human standards. But with Christ, all things are possible. The battle of Yahweh versus Pharaoh was a battle where in the, in the Old Testament, and we heard about the Exodus with the, with the young guys, that represented the freedom of the Israelite, Israelite nation. Pharaoh represented the heavy oppression. The battle came through these ten plagues. But the victory is not really clear until the sea of pardon, the Egyptian soldiers were buried under the water and washed up on the shore. The song of Moses and Miriam in Exodus 15 concludes with, The Lord reigns forever and ever. The battle's been won. Yahweh has victory. So this first story is all about the battle. The second story is about is the job of the announcer, the proclaimer, the evangelist, whose job it is to portray the events that have happened. It's making known what has happened and what the outcome has been. So in this Exodus story, the announcer comes through Miriam and these other women who took up tambourines and danced over Yahweh's triumph of horse and rider that he's thrown into the sea. You can read that in Exodus 15. We're given this good news. The horse and the rider that was after them has been overthrown. The horse and rider, they're symbols of the power of Egypt that had been oppressing them for so long. And now that's been taken down and destroyed. In their singing, they are proclaiming the goodness of God, that the battle that God was fighting has been won. And now there's a changed reality. There's a new reality to live into. They didn't live into it real well because they always wanted to go back. <laughs> but there's a changed reality. It's not going to be the same again. The third story is that living, lived out changed reality. It's the transformation that this new reality begins. It's receiving and responding to this good news. 
And it's a response that changes the reality that has occurred because of the victory over this, conf- uh, over this uh, conflict. It's, it's, it's the part where God starts to transform our lives. And as the listener hears the story of God winning the battle, we respond to this victory. So think about the Exodus story. We see Israel respond. They get a new governance system, one where Yahweh literally leads them through the desert. The old reign is no longer. That heavy rule of Pharaoh is no longer. There's no more slavery, no more captivity. Rather, the bread falls from heaven. They follow God wherever God leads. They forget the victories. (laughs) They grumble along the way. (laughs) Humanity hasn't changed much over the many years. But three stories that mould together to proclaim the goodness of God, the good news of God. Now, if we look at Acts chapter 7, we can see these three stories starting to unfold as well. As we've, just, um, we've got this amazing story of Stephen, who in, in chapter 6, verse 8, is described as a man full of God's grace and power, who performed great wonders and signs among the people. He was an amazing man. However, opposition rose up against him. And we start to hear the story of battle starting to break out in, in um, chapter 6. We hear how Jews from the synagogue of the freedmen began to argue with, with Stephen. And in Acts 6, verse 10, it says, But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit, the wisdom that the, wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke, gave Stephen. There was this battle happening. There's something going on there. The Jews are fighting with Stephen, but there's more than just two men battling battling men. God's doing something there because God was giving Stephen the wisdom to speak against what was going on. So they spoke. They couldn't beat God. They couldn't beat the words that God was giving Stephen. So they spoke against Stephen and lied to get him arrested. And so they brought him to the Sanhedrin the Supreme Council as such, the big wigs who had authority to sentence Stephen to prison, to death, to whatever it needed to be. And they said that Stephen was speaking against the holy place, so the temple, Solomon's temple, the, the most important, the high place where God was in their mind. And that Jesus of Nazareth was going to destroy that place and that that, that was going to change all the customs that they'd ever known. The customs of Moses handed down. So pretty big sort of things to say against someone. And Stephen at the start of chapter 7 is asked, are these true? Are these charges against you true? So there's a battle going on. That's the first story. We see this battle's happening. Then the second story starts as Stephen starts to declare the victory of God. Make sure you go home and read it. If you want to know a history of the people of God, just go home and read Acts chapter 7. Stephen just sums it up in a chapter. God's not defined to a temple. God has claimed victory through Jesus is his message. Stephen could very easily have said, well, well, no, or yes, he could have said a very simple, quick answer. He could have shared Jesus' words that he would destroy the temple and raise it up in three days, like Jesus did say. And he was talking about his body, Jesus, of course, not the physical temple. 
In Mark 13, he also says, not one stone will be left upon another regarding the temple. The words of destroying the temple, aren't they? But knowing that these people didn't understand that, they were entrenched in Judaism, they were entrenched in their history, in their past. He proceeds to share that history of the temple with them. The good news of God's victory through their lives of their ancestors, the culmination was this great temple of Solomon. Then he quotes Isaiah 66 to them when it says this, However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. That would have shocked them, wouldn't it? The temple was a big thing for them. And he's saying, no, God's not confined to the the human-made houses. Instead, heaven is my throne. The prophet says, as heaven is my throne. This is Isaiah 66. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? He's hitting back on them. In a major way. But then he goes even harder on them. I love these next verses, uh, verses 7 to 51. And and he, he sort of doesn't hold back at all. And he proclaims the victory. He says, You stiff necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. Wow. That's in uh, in Acts 7, 51 to 53. He rips through them, doesn't he? He says, no. No, you've got it all wrong. There's a different story going on, and you've missed it. (laughs) Then we move on to the reading that Pete shared with us today where people hear that, um, that, that they've been hit by Stephen's words, and they say, oh, we can't, we can't, we're not going to put up with this. And then the battle between God's message and humans continues to play out, with Saul being on the scene, we hear Saul, later, later known as Paul, really part of this battle. And Stephen looks up at God's glory and accepts that this battle is about to end. And the victory looks like death, but it's a victory for God. And Stephen dies as the first Christian martyr. Yet he proclaimed this good news to those who needed to hear. So so we've got the first story. There's a battle happening. The second story, Stephen's able to share about that battle, share about the victory. But the third story continues in chapter 8. Because the death of Stephen began the persecution of the church. And you think, that's not a good news story. But the people scattered. That's not a good news story. God's battle looks defeated, yet just as it looked pretty bleak for them, and it looked like it was pretty bleak when Christ was on the cross, to be fair, the proclamation of good news went out. And in Acts chapter 4, it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word, not just in that space, wherever they went. The third story is that people were transformed by Stephen's courage, Stephen's uh, willingness to be um, killed for what he believed. They were transformed and inspired by this victory that God gave through Stephen's preaching, through Stephen's message, the word. It is good news because it is being proclaimed even further. 
The battle was was won. The, The religious leaders, they might have thought they had a victory, but no, they didn't because the message just spread further and further. The proclamation of the victory, this lived out transformation, the scattering of the church and the building up of the new church. Three stories that went together. See, evangelism in the church wasn't just sharing a story. It was a a life-transforming moment. So what does that look like for us today? What does that look like? How how does evangelism become not just a spoken-out good news story, but how does it get lived out for us? Because somehow evangelism's been left to those who have that specific gift. And we know there are some wonderful evangelists, even in our midst, who are able to strike up a conversation and lead uh, a a conversation to God without um, sort of blinking an eye. (laughs) We need to learn from them as well. But we're called to proclaim God's continued victories in our life. The stories where God wins the battle, because we all face battles, where we tell the story of God's victory because we see the change on our lives and the change in our lives. Maybe for you, the beginning point is recognizing the battles that God is warring in you right now. Maybe recognizing the battles that are going on is the starting point to be able to share the stories of the victory of God in your life. Perhaps it's the wrestle with poor health and wondering when it's going to get better. Perhaps it's the wrestle with anxiety that's been increased over the last two years because of COVID. Because it's crippling. And God steps in and gives you hope. Perhaps it's the fight that you may be experiencing in going into your workplace every single day. Into a culture that may be toxic, where there is unfulfillment, unfair workplace pressures. And you think, this battle is very real. Perhaps the battle is wrestling with loneliness or an emptiness. Maybe you've got people around you, but you still feel empty. Maybe you're wrestling through mistakes of the past that have impacted your present. Maybe there's financial pressures at the moment that you haven't told your family about and loved ones about, and you're really struggling. There are battles everywhere. We all have battles we don't need to spiritualize everything, though, don't we? We don't need to, to sort of go, well, well God, this, this, this. But, but we need to acknowledge that God is at work in every aspect of our lives. And if we acknowledge that, as we pray for the sick and the hurting and the broken, the struggling with depression, those wrestling with workplace issues, we can start to celebrate the victories as God heals, as God lifts up, as God helps as God uses others to come forward and bring someone in need a pot of of hot soup. And as we share, as we proclaim these stories of God's good news, we start to hear and understand the bigger story of God in our world, that God is using us, his people, to share his story of redeeming the world back to himself. And through it, people are being transformed. My hope is in getting Keith to share his story, as simple as he thinks it might be, I don't think it's a simple story, I think it's a fantastic story, is that maybe it'll encourage you to look around this week and see, is there some way I can impact someone's life? See, God's story is a story of victory over battles. Our role is to proclaim those victories 
and live a life that portrays those victories because the ultimate victory has been won. Jesus' death and resurrection has brought life to all of us who believe. And as we're called in Romans 12, our our lives should reflect that through being a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's our act of worship, that our whole life reflects the victory that God has won on the cross. That's the gospel. That's good news. This week I had, my, I had an opportunity to share my story with the wonderful, faithful people at Lilydale Views um, Village, where Ray and June live, and Gus lives as well, I found out. I met many faithful people there, and I was blessed by being a part of their chapel service, and hopefully I was a blessing and encouragement to them as well. And I shared my story, a part of my story, and that we're all part of God's story, but we've all got a story to tell. But as I reflected on my own story, I considered the battles that were happening in my life early on, before I even knew there were battles. I grew up in a footy environment, a footy culture, as a, as a sort of from, from a 10-year-old up until sort of 18, 19, I was part of a, a footy club, ingrained in the footy club, not in the church. And there were plenty of opportunities for me to get deeply ingrained in the footy culture. From an early age, some of my friends were drinking, they were smoking, they were doing all sorts of things that I just didn't want to be a part of. There were things that in that footy club that I know that uh, were unedifying for anyone, let alone under-18s. Yet unknown to me, I believe that God was steering me away from that and putting me into a group of friends at my school that were different, that had a different story, a good news story, a story they shared with me through their lives through their actions, through their words. And I remember hearing from my friends that God loves me just as I am. I remember hearing about, uh, I remember being invited to play guitar. I'd been learning guitar and play guitar. And they invited me to play guitar at church. And I learned Shine, Jesus, Shine. It's one of my first songs. That's the era I grew up in. That's why I don't know as many hymns, but I know Shine, Jesus, Shine. And I remember being encouraged to learn Bible verses, verses that told me about God's love for me and that that I don't hit the standards that God expects of me, but whilst I was still a sinner, Christ died for me in Romans 5.8. I heard about how God changes lives of others. It was good news that was proclaimed, but I also saw it lived out. It wasn't packaged up into a neat little package over dinner where someone said, this is the four steps you take. It was through many faithful friends who continually shared with me through my high school years, living out a starkly different life to what I saw at the footy club. They drew me to Christ through their words and actions. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to hang around with them. I wanted to know what made them tick. I wanted to be like them. And I believe God was preparing the way for me to know him. Because there was a battle going on that I could have very easily succumbed to within that footy club. My teenage years could have been a totally different story. But I believe God won the battle. They shared the message of hope. They proclaimed it. And by action, they lived it out. And I had the opportunity to accept this good news for myself. So as I reflect on my life, the direction that God's led myself and my family over the last 30 years, I have to admit... There are battles that God has won that I have not proclaimed. There are times where I have not acted in a way that's matched the message that I've preached. Yet I know that God continues to use me, hopefully, and you 
each of us, as flawed as we are, to continue to discern the battles that are happening, to continue to proclaim the victories as good news, and to live out this good news in the world that we live. Not just when we come to church, not just when we're in a, a Christian sort of environment, but every day of our lives. So my challenge for you this week is to begin to look around you, to see where God is working in and through the battles, to engage with the story that God is living in and through you all the time, and having the willingness to label it and to proclaim it, to share it with the friends that you've built up over time as you've dropped the kids off at school, to be able to share a story of good news to the cafe owner that you've gotten to know well, to the colleagues that sit next to you and know that you're a Christian, but you've never been able to share that next step. I've got a friend, Dave, and I've told you about Dave before, but I want to share about Dave again. He was from Newport. He was from our church in Newport. He loves Jesus. And he would go to the same cafe every morning and buy coffee from that same cafe every single morning. And he would sit there and have coffee, and he'd invite me to come along and, and have coffee with him. But I wasn't having coffee with Dave. I was having coffee with the whole of the cafe. It wasn't just Dave. He would have the same people come that he got to know over many years of sitting in that cafe. They would come and they found community with Dave. He didn't just say hi to them, but he'd chat to them. He'd chat to them about how he felt God was leading his family in a certain way, how God was doing something great in his business, how God was working, and he would not hold back on sharing the good news of what God was doing in his life. And you know what? People didn't run away. People didn't get scared. People didn't think, well, this guy's weird. People actually loved Dave. They came back day after day. He would share how God was working in and through his life. And people accepted it. Did anyone ever come to know Christ and come to the church and make the church bigger? I'm not sure. I know there was people that came to the church because of it. Came to events he'd invite them to. But Dave was faithful in sharing the message that God had given him. Community of God's people can speak into the lives of so many other people around us. May we be those people who go, ready to acknowledge the battles and share the victories and proclaim it to all of good news. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for the story that you've given us a story of hope, a story of battles won, a story that we see unfolding in the pages of Scripture again and again and again. We think of Stephen's battle that started before he proclaimed it. But God, in his death, your message was spread far and wide. So God, may we be your messengers, messengers of hope who proclaim good news of all that you are doing in and through each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.